0: Welcome to the Tinderbox. We are the podcast for Matchsticks and Gasoline, the Calgary Flames website for SB Nation. It's Mark Gordy and Michael this afternoon. How are we doing, gentlemen? Superb. superb. I sent some sarcasm in there, Gordy.
1: <laughs> just, just a touch.
0: <laughs> Michael, how are you doing today? Oh, I would say superb, but I'm, I'm managing. You know, I don't. I'm not ready with that level of sarcasm quite yet. All right. Fair enough. Well, I'm on day seven of Corona lockdown in my house. So I'm doing superb as well, Gordy. I totally understand where you're coming from. So we've been tossing around ideas for what to do for a uh, podcast stuff. Cause it's, you know, it's hard to talk hockey when there is no hockey and the flames really aren't doing much other than, you know, releasing an awesome, awesome Jersey and then releasing the worst sweatshirts and hats ever seen by mankind to go along with said, uh, new jerseys. But, um, the, today, actually, this is kind of apropos that we're doing the podcast today because today in the numbers 1 through 99, it's Mike Vernon. He's uh, He and Joel Otto have gone up so far today. So we're going to talk goalies, um, not the trash heap of goalies that came between Mike Vernon and Mika Kiprasov because um, there was a veritable trash heap of goalies between Mike Vernon and Mika Kiprasoff. Um We're going to step because I think – I probably was the only one that was old enough to be alive and remember some of that trash between Vernon and Kipper. Would I be correct in that assumption?
1: <laughs> Unfortunately, I believe so. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. You can't see it, but the gray hairs on my beard right now prove that I was there for Trevor Kidd <laughs> and Roman Turek and the year of Curtis Joseph. So anyway, uh, we're going to jump into who came after Mika Kipersoff. Um Calgary's really only had You could say three franchise-altering goalies in the franchise history. Obviously, Vernon and Kipper are the two big names with, you know, Mika Kiprasov being the best goalie in Flames history, followed by Vernon. And then you'd probably fall down to Reggie Lemlin at that point, one of the originals uh, back from the Atlanta Flames days, and then up into Calgary. But it really seems like the gap between, like, a Stanley Cup, which should be a Hall of Fame goalie, to the next one, is an absolute nightmare um the flames never seem to get it right whether it's trades free agent signings or drafting people and just to put a little perspective into it uh kipper played for nine years with the flames obviously uh should you know should have his number retired clearly probably the second maybe he's in the top five easily best players in flames history probably closer to the top three and Nine years. In the seven years since he's been gone, Calgary has had 13 goalies attempt to take that mantle. None of them successfully. It actually kind of reminds me of another team I root for, the Miami Dolphins, um, with their quarterback issue since Dan Marino retired. So maybe it's me. Maybe it's not the franchise. Maybe if I stop rooting for people, good things will happen to teams. So uh, guys, first, um, your thoughts on what has happened since Mika Kiprasov retired. Uh, Michael, why don't you start first?
2: I mean, it's just been absolute chaos. Like, I think their whole issue is they kept like trying to find the next Mika, and then they, in that time, they were busting on like going for the big name guys, and like completely forgetting to get like average guys too for a while. That being said, the team was pretty bad for a while, so I'm not like too upset by it. But yeah, it's just a, I think, like you said before, it's just been a trash heap in between the franchise guys for this for a long,
0: long time. Gordy, your thoughts.
1: Yeah, a while back I started a piece which was just covering all the specifically drafted goaltenders the Flames have taken. And man, like I had to give up on it. It's just it's just so depressing. There's there's nothing in the twenty-first century, you know, twenty years now, the Flames haven't picked a goalie that's played fifty NHL games for them, which is Terrible. They've, they've picked two goalies who have played 50 games for other teams, which was Curtis McElhaney in 2002 and Laurent Brassois in 2011. But I mean, you, out of all of those, like you got to find probably one guy that can play some games, and then like Mike said, like um, they've just tried to you know shoehorn guys in that didn't fit. I'm mean, guys that you know were destined to fail from the start, like Joey McDonald. You know, Mike Smith wasn't, you know, super confident when they got him. Like it's just, it's just been a sad carousel for forever. Are you saying Red O'Bear really had no shot of becoming a franchise goalie with the Flames? I mean, Red O'Bear is <laughs> at the top of the list because he got us a second round pick. Like, <laughs> right?
0: Well, it's funny going down the list and looking at some of these guys. You remember being? I remember being so excited when they traded for Brian Elliott. Like I was like, yes, finally a real goalie. And then I bring it up every time we talk about Elliot, he shows up in those ugly red pads and like was terrible. It was horrible in the red pads. And when he switched out and went to like a normal looking set of pads that didn't match everything, he actually played well. I know that's not how it works, but it just happened to work that season. But I mean, you look at, I mean, some of the other guys on the list like Red O'Bara was, I mean, remember we all had hope with Yoni Orteo. Um, And Jonas Hiller came in in that horrible black mask with the gold cage and just was, Hiller wasn't anything special. Chad Johnson was okay. Um, The guy that I always hung the most hope on, I think for this whole group was Gillies. Um, Just when he was drafted, seeing him play live in college, I thought he was it, but um, that hip injury that first year after he came from Providence and played in Stockton just seemed to derail his entire career. Um, Did anybody else have any thoughts on a guy like Gillies? Was that somebody you guys thought was going to be potentially the franchise altering goalie or... Was it just me because I kind of had that seen him live and enjoyed watching him play experience?
1: Gordy. A hundred percent. I thought he was the next thing. Like he had, he had the stats to prove or back it up. He had the, you know, national championship to, you know, he's a winner. He had the ridiculous size. I think he had something like three shutouts in his first like 10 games in Stockton before that hip injury. And then, yeah, just yeah, he had a great NHL debut as well. To be fair, and then everything just yep. you know, derailed for him. Michael, what are your thoughts? Was Gillies
0: kind of your hope and prayer, or was there another guy on the list of Kari Ramo, Red O'Bara, Joey McDonald, Yoni Ortio, Jonas Hiller, Nicholas Backstrom, Brian Elliott, Chad Johnson, John Gillies, David Riddick, Mike Smith, Eddie Lack, Cam Talbot that kind of tickled your fancy?
2: Well, I mean, for Gillies, like I, I do. As I'm sure pretty much every Flames fan, like, they thought he was going to be the guy for the longest time. And then as soon as he started getting passed by David Rick, like, you could just tell that it wasn't going to work out anymore. Like, he just, like, the numbers were falling in the AHL. Like, he just, he had that brief tryout in 2017-18, but just really didn't fit well there either. Like, it's just too bad because he was so highly talented for a while. Among the other goalies, though, like, Gee, it's just a—it's just a mess of guys that like there's a the name, but like that's all you really remember about them. Um, <laughs> I was really into Brian Elliott. Like I thought, I thought he was pretty good that year once he got off the pads, like you said. But um, it, it's weird. Like if the Flames had done okay in that playoff series against the Ducks and not gotten swept, like I think they probably would have resigned him. But just like the fact that they just collapsed so bad towards the end of that series that. That kind of did in, mean, but otherwise, I thought he was like pretty solid. to provide a few good years compared to like when they brought in Mike Smith right after. Like, well, exactly. I was taking Elliott over a Smith any day of the week.
0: Yeah, I mean Elliott that season when he came in, um, forty nine games during the regular season, he was twenty six, eighteen, and three with a two five five goals against. He had a nine ten save percentage. So once he got on track, he was good to go. But uh, the four games in the playoffs, he was o three and 0 with a three point eight eight goals against and an eight point eight zero save percentage in. Um, Ended up, you know, getting replaced by uh, Chad Johnson in that series, who took the loss in the final game. But you look at Johnson's numbers from that final game; he had a one six one goals against and a nine five two save percentage. So, you know, maybe he should have been the guy to start in the playoffs. But yeah, Elliott was one of those guys I had hoped for. Um, you want to like go like numbers wise? Kipper in nine seasons, his final record was in the regular season was three hundred and five, one hundred and ninety two and sixty eight with a two four six and a nine thirteen. The rest of that group in seven years was 348, 246, and 84 with a 295 goals against and an 8.28 or 828 save percentage. So save percentage, not great. The record considering what Calgary had going on on those teams when they were kind of in a rebuild, trying to still make the playoffs, not exactly terrible though, but also some of that is skewed by really good seasons and really bad seasons. are uh, the Flames at fault maybe not just with the goaltenders they picked? Is it maybe the teams they built around the goalies they brought in? Michael, you have a thought on that?
2: Well, I mean, it's part of the lack of teams they built around all these guys. Like, I get that they were rebuilding for most of this time, but just a lot of these teams, like, up until, you can almost argue, 2018-19, they were caved in almost every game in the regular season. So it's not a shock that the goaltenders had terrible numbers. But, yeah, it's just... I just can't get over how how much of a mess is bringing back all these names now that we have them on a list in front of us. You just all these memories of bad teams and bad goalies and everything just being a complete mess. And I don't know how much better it's gotten, honestly.
0: Gordy, um, do you kind of agree with Michael on that? Because we could swing that into another question about Kipper. But if you want to touch on that quickly, um, is it all the goalies' fault or Flames' fault or combination?
1: I I was just going to specifically reference that you know, the lovely 2015-16 season when the Flames tried to carry three goalies and then ended up losing a, you know, valuable asset because of it. But like, you know, the Flames way overachieved in 2014-15 and then, you know, kind of regress back to their, you know, actual level of play in 1516, And I was surprised that, you know, Yoni Ortio and Kari Ramo never got another shot from another team after that. Because, I mean, they put up some pretty okay numbers for how awful the Flames were that year. And, I mean, I think both of them ended up going back to Europe after that. I thought Orteo specifically maybe would have had another shot on a better team than that.
0: Yeah. To parlay off that, we can jump right into Kari Ramo, who like I mentioned before was out of all the goalies they've had since then was, I thought he was a guy that should have and could have deserved another shot uh, to come back and give it a, give it a try after getting hurt. I mean, he got hurt against the San Jose Sharks, which derailed a pretty good season. He had going. Um, You look at Ramo's numbers in three seasons, he played 111 games with the flames. Um, Hold on. I take that back. He had, yeah, it was 111 games, and he played really well. He finished with a 2.63 goals against and a 9.11 save percentage. And in franchise history, he's ninth in shutouts with five. He's fourth overall in goals against at 2.63, and his save percentage is the second best all time in Calgary history at at 9.11. So I think Ramo agree. One of those guys that really should have had a chance to come back and maybe you know make his mark on the franchise. Anybody agree? Disagree? Am I nuts?
1: You know, Rahm always felt like he, he kind of had a bias from the Flames organization, whereas they'd kind of only put him in net if they had to. Like Hiller was getting lit up in that Vancouver series. So they had to put him in. I mean, yeah, I think he was kind of the third guy out when they were doing the trifecta. And then before he got hurt in San Jose, I think he even got sent down to Stockton for a short period. So I think he was just kind of perpetually devalued by this organization so it's i mean it's not surprising to see his numbers that high he he battled every night he was in goal he was definitely one of my favorites in the post kipper era yeah michael did ramo kind of get the shaft from the flames
0: um playoff wise he's still got some of the best numbers that they've had since kipper left i mean it's a small sample size still but did he get the shaft well i mean like when you consider who they came back with the next year after he was
2: uh, gone, like I, I'm surprised they didn't at least try and bring him back in a backup role. Maybe he didn't want that in theory, but like he was, like you said, he was solid for three years. Like he wasn't a world leader, but he did play pretty good hockey in front of three pretty bad flames. He's going would really have that one playoff year. And then just as surprising, I would say he almost got the shaft from the rest of the league, when he didn't even get like some contract somewhere in the league. I think he had a tryout with the Leafs, and I think then, yeah, he yep. went off back to Finland. That just that part never really made any sense to me either. Like I, I think he was good enough to at least have a job somewhere in the league after that.
0: Yeah, I think looking at a guy like Kari Ramo too is like I feel like you take it, you take for granted somebody like that. You're like, oh god, the teams are so bad around him. You look at his numbers, you're like, whatever. But then he's gone. When you look up, he's ahead of a lot of good goalies in Flames franchise history and goals at save percentage. I was shocked that he was number two behind. Uh, Mika Kiprasov I didn't expect it to be a guy like Mike Vernon because in the mid-80s, if you had a save percentage of like eight, nine, seven, you were an all-star. Because it was, you know, the freewheeling goal scoring uh era in, in the NHL where a good goalie had a, a goals against around three. But I mean, just to see a guy like Ramo was second all-time in save percentage in the franchise, it kind of shocked me. But um, oddly enough, since Kiprasov left, the best goalie the Flames have had in the playoffs is Cam Talbot. Talbot, uh, 10 games, he's 5-4-0 with a 2.42 goals against and a 9.42 save percentage, taking over for David Riddick and getting the start last year in the playoffs. Um, that one, I mean, recently was like, yeah, he was that good, but it surprises me that it took finally getting to Cam Talbot to uh, for the Flames to have a goalie that actually had some success, and he's also the only goalie with an above 500 record for the flames in the playoffs since kipper left but also calgary really hasn't done well in the playoffs anyway they haven't made it a ton so numbers are kind of skewed um getting back to mika Kippersoff, is he another guy that kind of got dragged down by this organization from a standpoint that again all world goalie only made the playoffs five times only went to a stanley cup final once um did the flames kind of do wrong by him and you could you know by association same with Aginla by not building better teams around them or did they just think, Hey, we can ride these two constantly and, and be successful, Michael.
2: Well, yeah. Kipper just, he was absolutely the backbone of the team along with Iggy the whole time he was here. Like once he became a full-time flame in 05, 06, after uh, he came here the year before, like, I think it was something like seven or eight street years. He started at least 70 games, 76 for a couple of them. Like, if Kipper wasn't playing, the Flames weren't winning. Or if the Flames, even if he was playing in like case, if the Flames weren't winning. And like, like if they if they didn't have Kipper, they probably would have been missing the playoffs every year instead of just like half of them or more than half. it was just disgusting to watch how how bad the teams were around around the two of them really, and how little they were able to get out of probably two. Are well, Iggy's a Hall of Famer and Kipper? You can make an outside case with three hundred plus wins and stuff like two superstars at least during their time in the league
1: Gordy your thoughts yeah no I'll just piggyback off a specific thing Mike said which is that I mean they rode off like a rented mule for the you know however many full seasons he played after you know the lockout like Mike said like it's 70 plus every season until the lockout shortened and Uh, like not for a single one of those seasons did they find him like a competent backup that could play literally more than 12 games which I mean like to see a goalie play 70 games and like today's NHL is just ridiculous like it's it's embarrassing that they could they could never find that guy a backup goalie and you know, take some load off him. He never got hurt is the thing either. Like if Kiprasov would have gotten hurt any of these seasons, like I really wonder what the flames record would have looked like. Like they would have been a bottom feeding team without him.
0: Yeah. It's like the, the year that he finally got hurt ended up being his last year in Calgary. Yeah. He was in to his standards, wasn't playing well that season anyway, but also again, you look at what was skating around him wearing a Jersey and you were like, well, of course you're not playing well. This team's trash, you know? So, so what you're saying is you didn't think Leland Irving was a good quality backup for the Calgary tower. Wasn't a a good quality backup for Kiprasov
1: or if they decided he was like, let him stay there (laughs) for more than one season or 13 games or whatever he played. Like they, nobody really even got a shot to kind of stick, you know, probably probably never even bothered learning their names after a certain point. Right. Well, it's funny. So, so you look at him, right, five playoff years in not a nine-year
0: span. His first year in Calgary was the Stanley Cup run in 03-04 for Kiprasov. And then, much like Mike Vernon, his, he had four more years in the playoffs, and they were like one and duns. Well, the Flames maybe played like 10 games in the play. They didn't go on any of these crazy runs anymore. Um, It's just weird the parallels between those two guys where Vernon had that ridiculous year in 89. I think he was like 35, seven and six, something ridiculous like that. Um, You know, started every game in the playoffs, played the most games of any goalie in the Stanley cup playoffs that year. And then after that, it was like seven games here, six games here, five games here. It's like the flames just couldn't, it's like they made it for that one run. And then it was like, but I think in Vernon's case, he had way more pieces to work with. In 89, 90, 90, 91, 91, those years, as opposed to like after 03, 04, like the Flames are just like, all right, so again, like Kipper, you can do that again, right? Um, so weird to have parallels like that where you go, we have a goalie and then you go a big gap between. I should have looked up who played like all of the guys in between Vernon and Kippersoft, but to me, am I the only one who finds it odd that there's that really much of a parallel between Vernon and Kippersoft with immediate success, then mediocre success, and then nothing for the team for a while gordy
1: well vernon was the he was the very first calgary or the very first goalie calgary ever drafted when they moved here and i mean since then nobody so i mean it's yeah i mean the comparables are that they're good goalies and I mean, there's no other comparison so it's not surprising that they're you know they're parallel that nobody else can even come close to being in the same conversation as either of them
0: michael your thoughts on that
1: Yeah, I
2: think it's, um, I don't know. I think we see a lot in most sports is like, for whatever reason, franchises just seem to have these certain levels where it's like, this team just can never find a quarterback or this team can just never find a goalie. And like for the flames, it seems to be they find a goalie then they're going to go 20 years until they find the next one. It's just kind of a carousel of madness. Uh, I just want to actually jump in real quick on how we were talking a few minutes ago, how Kipper played so many games. I was just looking up some numbers and, uh, between two thousand five and two thousand twelve in that string years where he played seventy plus games every year. He started five hundred and ten games for the Flames. The next closest starter in the NHL was four hundred and sixty two games. Like it was just ridiculous how much they rode him.
0: That is absolutely insane. It's and just think about how some of the bad the goaltending has been too. Like Jonas Hiller, who played parts of two seasons here, you know, wasn't a full time starter, still seventh all time in Flames history in safe percentage. Like just shows you like how like a guy who played here for two years is seventh all time because everybody else that's been around has just been so bad. Um, so, uh, well, does that kind of that wrap up our our goalie talk? Are we depressed enough? Are we good? you want to take a break and head on
1: to something else? I'll add one more depressing element, which is, the guys that haven't been garbage for Calgary, they've let go guys that were good. Like they owned Jean Sebastian Jaguier at one point before he hit his peak. Like they had Fred Brathwaite and let him go very quickly. Mac Laney, both had acres. Okay like they drafted Craig Anderson and never signed him. like they not only have the guys they kept been horrible, but they've had chances to have decent goalies, and they just they let him go like way too easily. Oh, you mentioned Freddie Brathwaite.
0: I'm actually wearing my Brathwaite Blasty jersey right now, and you got me right in the feels. <laughs> easily top five favorite flame of all time. And I was writing the one through 99s today, and I was on number 40, and it took all I had to type Alex Tongay and not Fred Brathwaite, even though I knew it was the right decision. So uh, thanks for that one, Gordie. I'm going to take a break here so I can collect my thoughts and not be so beclept. Um We're going to take a quick break here on the Tinderbox, and when we come back, we're going to talk about potential hockey for next season. We'll be right back. And welcome back to the Tinderbox. It's Mark Gordy and Michael this afternoon. We just wrapped up the ultra depressing list of goaltenders who've played in Calgary since Mika Kippersoff retired. And we just—I sometimes you just don't realize what you have until it's not there anymore. Um, and Flames, do the right thing take that 34, put it up in the rafters, do the same thing with number 14. I know this was a total unscheduled rant that I'm hopping on right now, but are those the next two numbers should they get, that should get retired? I think Flurry and Kippersoff have done enough of the franchise that they could easily go up there with Lanny, Vernon, and Iggy. What do you guys think?
1: I think the problem with, I think the only reason they haven't really made plans to retire Kippers, they genuinely don't know if they could convince him to come back for it so I think that game he showed up to last year randomly in the in the suites, I think that that's the first sta- step, I think, to retiring yep. his number. I think the whole time it's been a Mika Kiprasov decision, not a Flames organization decision.
0: Maybe they should have ran down to the pro shop real quickly that night and put one on a <laughs> rope and pulled it up while he was there just to do it. Um, <laughs> Michael, what are your thoughts, Uh, Kipper? That makes total sense. But what about Theo Flurry? I mean, Flurry, literally, if you look at the Flames record books offensively, he's almost in the top 10 in every single offensive statistical category in Flames history. Look, I get there was some off ice things in the end of his career, but those were driven by things that happened to him in his past. He's come to grips with everything. Um, Is it high time? Calgary just says, screw it. He's clearly one of the best players we've ever had. Should 14 be up there?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't
0: think it's up for discussion based on how he played on the ice. Like I think it's it,
2: it's been too long, and I don't know if at this point. They're just waiting to do something like maybe the Leafs did a few years ago, where they just threw a bunch of guys up there all at once. But yeah, it's been too long. I think we need to get
0: it done. Gordy, you were going to say something.
1: Oh, uh, just yeah, hundred percent. He deserves to be up there. I mean, you, you can't really take other things into an account when you're you know, basing like a Jersey retirement off of on ice stuff. Like there's, there's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty black and white decision. It's not really a debatable thing. So a hundred percent flurry deserves to be up there. And honestly, I wouldn't even
0: mind if they brought back, you know, Al McInnes and Joe Neuendijk and took them off that stupid forever a flame list and put those guys up there as well and dump that thing. I mean, look, the Boston Celtics have 7,000 numbers retired up there. Like, you're playing a sport where the numbers are 1 through 99. And trust me, I'm in the 40s right now. There's a lot of numbers available by guys who are no good that the Flames could give out later down the line. So if you hang 34, 2, and 25 up there, there's enough numbers in this franchise with guys who were terrible or only warred for a year that you could give out a number later on. So um, I kind of like that idea of a package deal, actually. Bring back, you know, maybe those four guys and, you know, give them what they deserve. So anyway, uh, we can hop off that. Thanks for indulging me really quick. Um, anytime we can give a little plug for Theo Flurry and help him out, I think is a good time. Um, NHL hockey for this season, um, looks like it's not going to be starting after new year's, like directly after new year's, uh, ESPN had a report that, uh, the NHL was looking at doing a 50 to 60 game type season, um, starting late January, early February. Um, thoughts, uh, Michael, does that work for you? I mean, is it better than, it's better than nothing, right?
2: Well, I mean, it makes sense. Cause like I heard, the. You um know, the players didn't want to, like, have to miss Christmas with their families and with, like, a January 1st start date. They would have definitely had to do that, Being um, getting into all their, like, team bubbles and stuff doing right for the season. So I think mid-January, even mid to late January, makes a lot of sense. Hopefully they can cut out a bunch of preseason, which is what I've also heard, because, my God, I really don't want to do any, like, 12 pre preseason coverage thing like we had to do in the past, which was just brutal after about game three. So, yeah, I'm okay with it if it's mid to late January.
1: Uh, Gordy your thoughts the the timeline itself is fine but they need to i mean they need to start locking stuff down fairly soon if that's going to happen like they can't be debating this into the new year if uh, i don't know i've i was very confident at first and everything since then has pointed me in the other direction for you know a, a clean smooth start to this season
0: yeah, I mean, it's a really good point you bring up, Gordy, because they're going to have to get in whichever hub cities they finally end up deciding on. I'm guessing, you know, Toronto will be one. Um, despite the the great flood of 2020, um, Edmonton seemed to work fairly well as a hub city. Shh, don't tell anybody we said that. Um, you know, so there's a couple cities up there. You, you know, you could spread them out for the regular season over three or four places, I think. Um, there is that talk of doing the all. Is it talk or did they decide? Like, honestly, trying to keep up with things is crazy. There's the talk of the All-Canada division, which I think would be kind of cool. But there's, you know, they're going to have to really get into the arenas and clean them, the hotel. Like, they're really going to have to start, like you said, Gordy, almost now to get ready if they were going to do like a mid-January. Do you think maybe February is a better call?
1: Is that, you know, does that give them a little more time? I mean given that this vaccine and stuff is uh, you know rolling out soon too uh, delaying it I guess is not the worst option but I mean like they yeah they they got to get things rolling though delaying stuff is you know going to push hockey more into the summer again I don't think anybody particularly wants that I think we all kind of want to get back on the Typical hockey schedule, and I, and I like it's not as big a deal for us as Flames fans. But those teams that miss the playoffs, if they start in February, it'll almost be a full calendar year before NHL games for those teams.
0: Yeah, and then you you got to hope that people are you know doing their off season training and whatnot. Because yeah, you're right. If you know you didn't, your season was over during the lockdown, and you never got back on the ice. So yeah, no, that um makes sense. Uh, so anybody got any other thoughts on that? Uh, Late, late January hockey. Hopefully, you know reasonably done by normal playoff time in the summer. No all star game. You know does all that stuff work.
2: Yeah, I, I just want to say, like I know one thing they have to push on is that they can't really push it back too much further either, because I know they have to get it done in theory before the Olympics end up happening next summer, which I think start in late July. Because um, I think it's NBC owns the contracts for the show and for the Olympics, and they don't want them going at the same time. Basically, as they get into the Playoffs. So there's a lot of stress to really make that late January date go in order to finish
0: the season in time. Yeah, and not even just scheduling stuff too, it's money issue. The Olympics are clearly a bigger money maker and advertising revenue revenue stream for NBC than the NHL playoffs. No offense to hockey. It's just how the world works. So that would that would make sense. Those are all both very good points. So anybody got anything else they want to add before we shut it down today? no awesome that was perfect all right well if you like this podcast you can find us on spotify iHeartRadio, itunes and google Podcasts. just search up matchsticks and gasoline or the tinderbox or both and you will find us and you will get all the amazing hockey information you need streaming through your ears and into your brains gordy and michael thank you so much for coming on today and we will catch you next time on the tinderbox